Welcome to What Do You Want to Watch, the show hosted by myself, Nathan English, and David Dirks. And this week we got kind of a mixed bag. We're going to cover the Oscars, March Madness, and at the end we'll talk about Marvel TV shows because Moon Knight is premiering at 2 a.m. on March 30th. Come on. So we're going to talk about all that this week. It's kind of a busy week. Let's get into it. All right, so first things first, we're going to talk about the Oscars. Um, I think that for some people, the Oscars didn't matter until the first incident that we kind of just, you just have to talk about it, right? I don't want to spend too much time, but let's just go ahead and talk about Will Smith and Chris Rock. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and just assume everybody knows what happened. I don't really want to recap sure they it. Do. I mean, I, I don't know how it would be possible that you didn't. And if you don't, just Google Will Smith and Chris Rock. You'll see 4,000 articles about it, 8 million video clips, and a just cavalcade of memes. So Will Smith slapped him. Um, and I just want to, the first thing I want to ask you was what was your initial reaction when this happened? I like laughed. I was like, oh, that was a funny bit. Like Chris Rock, Will Smith, good job. Like you got me. Yeah. And then the audio cut. Yeah. And then we were like, we looked at each other. We're like, why what's happening? Why would they cut the audio for a planned bit? Like there's no way they would do that. Then you missed the joke. And then when we saw the Australian version, which was unedited, yeah. uh, aired on Australian so I television. Why they didn't. I, I don't know. I don't know why, why Australia doesn't. But the, the only thing that I really want to say about this is, one, I think it's the most shocking thing I've ever seen in an award show on live television. Everybody keeps bringing up the Kanye West interrupting Taylor Swift at the VMAs and talking about Beyonce and how that was crazy. But, I mean, Will Smith literally hit a person. So just imagine one of the five most famous actors in Hollywood just hitting a comedian for making a joke at an award ceremony. It's just, it's a crazy thing to think yeah. about. And if somebody told you it was going to happen before the show, you'd be like, no. I've never seen anything that crazy on live TV in my life. Yeah. Never. Nothing comes close to what, what that was. Like, I've never seen that, something that crazy ever. It was just so unexpected. Um, I, I don't want to do the whole who's in the right, who's in the wrong thing, because I think that's been parceled out a lot. I, uh, I, I would kind of say both, both people wrong. are yeah, probably in the wrong. wrong. I think... Will Smith had a pretty bad reaction. The one thing I will say is if his goal was to shut it down and, and you know, protect his wife, he did that in the worst possible way because the news cycle now for 48 hours has not been about his Best Actor Award, has not been about anything else that happened at this award show but that. So he just pretty much ensured that the joke would be repeated and then he and his wife would also be the butt of numerous jokes continuing forward. He did apologize on Instagram yesterday, but... Uh, I just don't think he was thinking clearly, and yeah, kind of it kind of made the rest of the show awkward. But either way, I do want to talk about the people that won some some Academy Awards. And first, let's just start with the one that came last. Actually, let's start with Best Best Picture. I think we talked about it a little bit. There was a coda wave. It kind of hit a surge. It seemed like the power of the dog was a lock before. Mm. I think we even like, said that on the show. Like yeah, the like power a, of the dog. yeah, like a month before, it seemed like there was no way anything but the power of the dog was going to win. And then the coda wave just hit. How did you feel about coda winning Best Picture? Um, I wasn't upset at it. It was a really good movie, and it was really uh, empowering. And like we, we kind of talked about it when it first came out. Um, there's some pretty incredible scenes in that, and I think mm -hmm. it was just very well done. Um and I think my hesitation is that it's just different from any other movie, which isn't, it's not bad that it was different. I'm just not used to that, yeah. you know? So just kind of after sitting on it, I, I, I agree. I think it was a good, a good, uh, 
choice for that. I just had to kind of let that sit in, like, man, this is different from what usually movies I usually watch and what movies that usually win, and that's okay, you know. Um, but I, I just put it out there. Probably Dune probably should have won, but I'm not upset that it didn't necessarily. Right. So Dune uh, wasn't even in the conversation really. Like there were there were leaked ballots online, obviously, and there's been a lot of stuff written about it. And Dune has not won any. There's a bunch of awards uh, for for those of you that aren't familiar with how award season works because it's long and confusing and weird. There's a bunch of smaller award shows leading up to the Oscars, and people kind of base like what they think is going to win based off of what wins at those smaller award shows. The, the PGA's the producers guild awards, the directors guild awards used to be the golden Globes, but those don't exist anymore because the Hollywood foreign press was historically racist and a terrible organization. So gladly those are shut down, but things of that nature kind of tell us. And Dune was not in the conversation ever was sometimes not even nominated for best picture in those places and did not win anything but i think i have a feeling that like in 10 years we're gonna look back and be like how how yeah like why was dune not a serious contender because i mean i'm gonna go and just mention them because dune did win six oscars right it won best sound best achievement in visual effects best achievement in production design best achievement in music written for motion picture original score best achievement in film editing and best achievement in cinematography and it was nominated for four other ones so it's it kind of surprised me that, like, when it wins that much, why it wouldn't – if it won all those, wouldn't that make it one of the best pictures made of the year? Yeah, and I think also, like, you have the the Academy – I've said this before, but the Academy is recognizing the total complete vision of one person. Everybody that went up on stage and talked after they won for Dune, which some of them were pre-recorded, which we can get to, which is a stupid decision by yes. the Academy yep. because then I had to watch Wanda Sykes walk through a museum for five minutes and say the least funny jokes I've ever heard in my entire <laughs> life. But they came up and they, they shouted out Denis Villeneuve first and said, like, this was his vision. This was all Denis, like – Yes, we all worked on this, but like this would not be possible without him. Like, yeah, you say that about normally directors, but you can tell that this was like a single focus for Denis, and it was amazing. And he didn't even get nominated mm-hmm. for best director, much less win. He didn't even get nominated. So I just feel like I don't know if it's going to be a king speech over a social network thing, or like, gosh, because I don't know anybody that's seen the king speech since 2011 and thinks it's good. Uh, I still haven't the, seen it. I want to see and it. And the but Social I, Network you know. is one of the best movies of the last 25 years, I would say. So I don't know if it's going to be that level, but I think that we're just going to look back on this in a decade and be like, how did Dune not win? Do you think Do you think they do it for diversity in winning? Like if Dune won everything, would they think, well, that's not going to be fun or exciting? See, I don't think that that factors in just because... Well, then how come it wouldn't win it? You know what I mean? I, like, I just don't think that factors in because we've seen that in the past. And like that's mm-hmm. actually like... I feel like the Oscars, everybody pays attention. You know, let's talk about, like, Titanic, right? Titanic was an enormous event and has the record tied for most Oscar wins in one night. Mm-hmm. And it was a culmination. But it's not like people didn't care about those Oscars. They were like, holy crap. Titanic was, like, an amazing, amazing moment in movies, in cinema, because it merged, like, critics loved it. Everybody loved it. It's one of the five biggest movies ever made. It made gobs and gobs of money. I just don't see, like, Dune is the movie where you could draw the most people in, and it was critically loved. It's not Mm -hmm. like Dune was Venom Let There Be Carnage, okay? Mm -hmm. It wasn't like there were a bunch of fans that loved it and critics didn't love it. This was an historically difficult piece to adapt, and he did a great job. It wasn't even like the Batman. With the Batman, I heard that was really good, and I did hear, like, I didn't like that at all. 
But with Dune, everyone I asked yeah. was either like, this was really good, or it was like, no, that was pretty decent. That was really, like, everybody at least, like, enjoyed it. You the know? only thing that I can think of is the hidden part two of it. So I remember when we went into theaters and the titles, title card came up when we were watching Dune and it said part one. And we're like, oh, crap. This isn't going to be a complete, like, this is a series, which I guess I should have known going in. Normally when you adapt, like, a massive book series like this, you at least probably make How more than one movie. How many I, I have no idea, but I know that they may not even touch the sequels, like because they haven't even finished the first book yet. I'd be okay if this so, was like an ex- like the need just did like six movies. <laughs> yeah, so I I wonder if that hurt it, and like it's getting some Lord of the Rings type things where the Fellowship of the Ring and the Two Towers were nominated, but they waited for mm-hmm. Return of the King to give all the Oscars essentially, even though those other they knew two this movies is it, were like achievements incredible. and maybe. Like, there's a lot of argument where people think the first two are better than the last one because of kind of the nine endings of Return of the King. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it's that situation where you're like, okay, well, we know there's a part two coming. The part two also has already cast, like, Florence Pugh and an important role. It's going to return Timothy Chalamet, and it's going to have a bigger part for Zendaya. Maybe we just wait for that, and that'll be the culmination, and they'll get some actor nominations mm-hmm. along with all the effects nominations and stuff. But, uh, again, I think that we're going to look back on this and be like, why was Dune not in the running? Yeah, it was ridiculous. I think it will help if like part two or part three or whatever the l- is you know the last couple. If that wins best, p- best picture, I think that'll help this not winning. Mm-hmm. But if if none of them if this if none of them ever win it, we'll par- yeah we'll be like yeah what was especially this? or what if two flops maybe it's not a good movie. We'll be like how did Dune one not win? I I don't see any way that that movie flops. I, I wouldn't just, think so either. I, I don't think so. I think he's just, just too patient and too he's gonna mm-hmm. put too much time and effort into it to not let it flop. So who who were you like, most happy for? that won an award, whether it be CODA for Best Picture or something else? Who were you most happy for? Um, well, just uh, just emotional tug first. I'll say Troy Kutzer. Kutzer. Kotzer. Kotzer. Really, I hit all – I hit yeah, you two hit, of the wrong ones before. Yeah, every single pronunciation possible. Um, yeah, that was just really cool to see. And then for him t- – for her to – she, the announcer actually signed his name first. before she announced it. Yeah, that was and really we awesome. And we at first were like, what is, what's happening? And then mm-hmm. you're like, I think he just signed her. I think she just signed his name. So that was cool. I think for me, though, just putting away what happened, I am happy for Will Smith. I mean, again, you said he's one of the you know top five most popular actors, and he's done so much. He's been in the business for 30 years now. And he's helped outside of it, too. He's done so much for the community he's around and, and for those who mm-hmm. follow him and stuff. And I think for him to finally get – it's like a Leo – like he finally got his Oscar. Yeah, um, I, just putting away what happened, right? It's I think that's just really awesome. I think there's people coming out with takes of like, you got to strip the Oscar from him. You can't, I, you can't have this. And like, if the Academy had to strip the Oscar from people that did bad things in public, um, there would be a lot of people without Academy Awards. He's not even like um, the top 100 worst yeah, person that's won an no, Oscar. No, and I don't. I I agree. I think he. I think he deserved. I think he earned it with his role and his performance, and it sucks that, that, that we'll all be overshadowed by his actions prior to because, yeah, I think it would have been a Leo-type moment. I, I've heard from um, people that were there. I've, I've, I've read some stuff. I've, I've seen some, quite honestly, TikToks about people that were in the room that described the applause for Will as much more muted than expected because of what had happened previously. Mm. You know, Leo, whenever he won, got like a full-throated standing ovation. Everybody was excited. And Will didn't really get that. I think that he kind of, he screwed up his own moment. 
I mean, he just did, and and it sucks. It sucks for him. Yeah, uh, and kind of breaks your heart, you know. Yeah, and it's just it was a bad action, and I don't know if it reflects on him as a person, but I think that it was extremely stupid, and he's gonna have to live with that. I would I would echo Troy Kotzer. I think that um, that was really moving. Um, his his speech in in sign language, and um, I think that that was just a performance I was a hundred percent sure was going to win and deserved it. And the only, the last one I will say is Hans Zimmer. Mm. Um, just yeah. because he wasn't even there, but Hans Zimmer is Hans Zimmer and he created instruments for doing. So I was so happy. Yeah. That's crazy. That's cool. Um, I think, yeah, I know you said one, um, Jane Campion. I think that's another one. She won. Well, she won a long time ago, right? When she was very no, young. She was um, nominated. I don't believe Jane Campion. Jane Campion was, I think, nominated for an Oscar. And it has been, she almost had, it's weird to describe it as a Will Smith-esque journey. But she's a person that has been a, a wonderful filmmaker for a long time. And was kind of not recognized um, for by the Academy. Um, and she did. She this is her first win. She's only the third female director to win. Second in the last two years, uh, Chloe Zhao won for *Nomadland* in 2021, and then Catherine Bigelow won in 2010 for *The Hurt Locker*. Um, so she's another person that you know has been around for a long time, and this was kind of going to be her culmination. And some people thought that *The Power of the Dog* was also going to get, you know, some of that love, and mm-hmm. and it just didn't. Is that the only Oscar *Power of the Dog* won? No, it also won. Um, I'm, I, was tr- I'm looking I think it won three, if I if I remember correctly. Because I'm glad Power of the Dog was a good movie, and I, and I knew it wouldn't win. A, it, there's just a lot of good films this year, so it might have got overshadowed. And with the with the best supporting actor, with two of them getting it, I knew probably. Yeah, they kind of yeah, and they didn't. The lead actor, I mean, it was it only it won was one. The, it was the, it only won the one. Okay, yeah. it was the Will Smith wave. Um, I think, you know, a lot of times they just ran into a buzzsaw. You know, the score for this was great. Johnny Greenwood had a fantastic score, but he ran into Hans Zimmer making yeah. Dune. And, I mean, and he was nominated for 11 Oscars, 12 plus, you know, with the yeah. one at one. And adapted screenplay, you know, Coda, Coda got it. And um, it was, I, I, it Coda was, was winning Best Picture. It was so. a good ballot this year. So there, I, think, I know, like, Don't Look Up didn't deserve on that, but, like, there were a lot of good films this year. Yeah, I think that it just – it kind of had the just – bad luck of running into really, really solid things in every single category. And, you know, when the CODA wave started, I think that affects down the line. You know, maybe a month ago, CODA does not win Best Adapted Screenplay, mm. but The Power of the Dog wins that, you know. And I, I don't think there was any way that – I think to the acting ones, there was no way. I don't, I don't think Benedict yeah. Cumberbatch was going to beat Will Smith. Troy Kotzer was uh, a shoe-in, I think, and so was Ariana DeBose as well. Um, who also had a very emotional speech, um, mm-hmm. with, which seems like we forget about because it was at the beginning of the three and a half hour broadcast. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think that the power of the dog in another year, maybe even in last year when it felt like not a lot Kirsten of people Dunst had seen a lot it. of Jesse things. Plemons might win it. Yeah, you know? but this year I think, you know, I, I was just – it had a stacked, stacked field. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, there's one more thing I want to talk about. Um, and that is the disastrous fan vote scenarios that happened. So if you did not watch the Oscars, they tried to do something new where they incorporated, uh, got the attention of, I'm assuming, younger viewers and just the audience at large, and they did the two fan votes. Um, and the first one was just for, like, cinema cheer moment, like, like crowd cheer, like the e- most yeah, exciting yeah. moment. Um, 
And the movie that won was Zack Snyder's Justice League when Flash enters the Speed Force. Uh, this should just tell you all you know about people that are fans of Zack Snyder and how just voracious they are on the internet and probably just push this over the top. Uh, I, just that, because it was that Zack film Snyder. was fine. Um, that one over Endgame's Avengers Assemble moment. And it also won over Spider- the three Spider-Man moment coming together. Um, I, you're, that, first of all, you couldn't even see that in theaters because most people experience the Zack Snyder's Justice League. I don't even know if it was in theaters anywhere. I don't but think so. It dropped pretty much HBO. everybody experienced it in HBO. Yep. So I, I, I don't know. But second, like Endgame was undeniable in that moment. Um, and also, so was the Spider-Man thing. Those are both experiences where I couldn't even hear the movie. The theater was screaming so loud because yeah. everybody was excited, uh, which is awesome. So that happened. And then Zack Snyder again <laughs> won another fan vote for fan favorite movie of the year. Um, also, uh, the Cinderella movie starring Camille Cabello, oh which gosh. dropped on Amazon Prime earlier this year, was made the list, the top five list. forgot that was a movie. Um, a movie that was universally panned um, by critics and fans alike. Um, on IMDb, is it a 4.3 out of 10? Yeah, 42% on Rotten Tomatoes, 41% <laughs> on Metacritic. That's bad. I haven't heard a single good thing about this movie. <laughs> um, so I, I just don't... I mean, I guess the Oscars are trying, but... It didn't work, so maybe find something else. You want to get the people's attention. We've said it numerous times. Uh, just nominate Spider-Man for Best Picture, even if it's not going to win. People are going to care. Yeah. Um, but instead, you had a fan vote where Army of the Dead won Fan Favorite Movie of the Year. Another movie that was fine. It was okay. It was mm-hmm. eh at best. I get the idea of like, okay, let's just have – if those people are wanting this and wanting this, let's just have them vote. But I also feel like it's like the uh, – You open things up to the It's trolls. like the Pro Bowl. Yeah, I'm not. Go- I don't <laughs> care if I don't care if Russell Wilson is a better quarterback than Mahomes. Yeah. Hypothetically, I'm gonna vote for my quarterback. Yeah. So everyone's voting for their they own don't, teammates. They don't they- have any sort of media vote in this. You have mm-hmm. to be an academy member, which means you have to re- pretty much be in the film industry to get a vote. Maybe mm-hmm. they could have done a media vote. Quite honestly, yeah. again, just nominate some blockbusters that were like Spider-Man was a blockbuster that was also critically praised. Yes, it probably wasn't the best movie of the year, and maybe doesn't hold up as much on repeat viewings, but you're telling me you'd rather have don't look up in the field like stop yeah okay that's just one simply i mean it made let me look oh it's made 1.8 billion dollars like just in in that yeah you're that means it's one of the most popular in. movies in the I last mean, 15 years it had years. a visual effects nomination it was never going to win because again it ran up and against dune mm-hmm. but you didn't you don't do anything else for that and you're not trying to attract you're trying to attract fans by doing this fan vote but Nobody, nobody gave a crap. You think a Marvel movie will ever win an Oscar? Um, hasn't one already won or not? I think a Marvel. N- are you asking Best Picture? No, I don't. Oh, it's believe. won plenty of Oscars. That's right. I don't believe a Marvel movie will ever win Best Picture. Um, Black Panther, I think, was the closest shot that they had, and that was really a long shot that year. Um, I don't even know if one gets nominated again unless we get a different type of. It's gonna have to break the mold, and that. As much as I love Marvel, their movies have become very formulaic because it's comforting. Yeah. It's, it's like comfort food. Um, and they're going to have to have one that breaks the mold. Um, I could see the Batman getting nominated next year for Best Picture, but I do not see a scenario in which a Marvel movie gets nominated unless this Thor Love and Thunder is just absolutely insane. Mm-hmm. Or Doctor Strange. Um, so 
Black Panther won best costume, best original score, and best production design. Mm-hmm. And then No Way Home, Shang Chi, Endgame, Infinity War, Guardians of the Galaxy, Doctor Strange, Guardians of the Galaxy, all been nominated. Winter Soldier, Iron Man Three, Iron Man Two, Iron Man One, and the Avengers were all nominated. From anywhere, from visual effects to hate m- makeup to sound editing, but only Black Panther has won. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So I th- I think it could it won't happen. They won't win Best Picture, but they may get uh, some down the line nominations. All right. So that's been our Oscars recap. We're gonna take a short little break, and then we're gonna come back and talk about March Madness. Stick around. All right. Uh, in all the hubbub of movies, there's still sports going on, and it's still the most wonderful time of the year because we now have the Final Four set. The Sweet 16 and Elite Eight was this past weekend, and the Final Four will be Duke versus UNC and KU versus Villanova. Mm-hmm. The first thing mm-hmm. we should talk about, though, is St. Peter's. The Peacocks run has ended, and it, it kind of crashed and burned, quite honestly. Yeah. They had never had a shot. In that game, I think that at one point, the, uh, five or six minutes into the game, they hadn't scored a point against UNC in their Elite Eight matchup. Um, it was kind of just over. You could tell the energy was kind of out. But where does this rank for you on Cinderella runs? We have, obviously, we have UConn winning a title mm-hmm. um, as a, a eight seed. Were they an eight seed or yeah. a nine seed? Eight. An eight seed. You have Loyola Chicago making it to the Final Four as an 11. You have Syracuse making it to the Final Four as a as a 10, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, Oral Roberts made it to the Sweet 16, I believe. As a 15. As a 15. Um, so, and obviously, then you have the ultimate largest upset of all time, UMBC over Virginia. So where does the St. Peter's run rank for you in upset runs in your lifetime? I think it's, I think it's at least in the top five. I think simply just because they're the first 15 seed to ever make it to the Elite Eight. Mm-hmm. Like no, no 15 seed's ever done that. Um, I think it was just really cool. Like, I mean, to beat a, and I think it's not like oh they kind of had help all the way through. Like they had to beat one of the top. Yeah, they beat Kentucky. Blue they beat Purdue. Like you had to beat Kentucky as your first game, and yeah. they did in overtime. And then they beat that Murray State team was fast, athletic, mm-hmm. very difficult to handle. Was one of the dark horse like who these, put up this team could make the Elite Eight in the previous game. Yeah. yeah. And then they beat Purdue. Yeah, they had a seven foot one center and some good. Uh, it's a how, power five. How did Purdue lose that game? How? And what? how do you lose that game with Zach Eadie? Well, I mean, we kind of talked about this with the Northwest game. I think they just upset him. They were aggressive. They got him in foul trouble. And once he gets upset, he just wasn't playing smart. He wasn't playing focused because he was all just and they heated were, and whining. And, and St. Stuff, Peter's yeah. was hitting shots that night, yeah. which I think they used. They did the old adage. My brother and I always talk about this is when you're warming up in basketball, you can't make everything because if you do, you're wasting all your good shots before you get to the game. Mm-hmm. Well, it seems like St. Peter's wasted all their good shots against Purdue. And then when they ran into UNC, they had none. Yeah. Left. But I also think it's worth noting this UNC team's on fire beating beating Baylor and then beating UCLA and then a, a St. Peter's team that's on fire. And then at the last, one of the last regular season, was it the last? I think it's the last regular season game of the season. They beat, stomping Duke, they beat Duke on in Coach the ACC K's last uh, game. Championship, yeah. And they, you know, they, this, yeah, this is a hot team right now. Manic is on fire even after he had that suspension and um, he's, or not suspension, he got ejected from a game. Um, mm-hmm. Love is insane. I could have gone to Mizzou. Yeah, <laughs> well, that happened. You, the amount of good basketball players that could have ended up at Mizzou is a list too long. It's very sad. 
to even fit on any paper. So <laughs> I, I, I am going to be – who are you picking in this game? Who do you – Who actually, no. The first question I want to ask, Duke versus UNC. It's the most historic rivalry ever. Who do you want to win this UNC. game? I hope UNC wins it all. Like, right? I mean, it's like they're all four blue bloods. It's like they're all, they've all been here, so you've got to pick one of them. And I, my reasoning is kind of funny. Like, I like the powder blues. It's classic. <laughs> they're just classic. And uh, I'm not cheering for Kansas. And um, I don't really have a reason to hate Duke like you do. I just – I don't know. I just don't want Duke to win. I don't really know. I don't so, even know. So have you – so obviously this is something that happens twice a year, if not more. This is the first time Duke and UNC are ever meeting in the tournament, which is kind of insane. Coach K's last year, you couldn't write a better story, blah 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 blah. You're already going to be tired of all the narrative stuff before leading up to this game. Are you normally on the UNC side of the Duke UNC games? Because I feel like I have always rooted for UNC. Like ever since I was a kid, I've just been like, yeah. And I'm not a UNC fan, but like Duke UNC games, you got to pick a team, and I've mm-hmm. always picked North Carolina. I think I have. I don't like remember like I've vividly been. I think I've been more of like a. I just want a really freaking good basketball game. Mm-hmm. You know, because I haven't like had to care. A classic David Dirk stance. Yeah. Well, <laughs> even if UNC wins, I don't want it to be a thirty-point game. Like, give me a double overtime buzzer beater. Give me a blowout. Nah. Do it. Or win we still haven't had a buzzer 40. beater in this entire tournament. That's win messed up. Yeah, that can happen in the KU Villanova game. Give me a forty-point win. From yeah, I'm obviously Team UNC. Uh, I think. I don't know. I just. I you know, sports hate is great. It's it's one of the things that fuels us. You know, people tune in to watch Tom Brady play a lot because they just want to root against him. And I'm one of those people that does that. Um, and, and Duke basketball is the same way. And coach K is the same way for me. So, and I think that he said something this past weekend that really just really just grinded my gears. And it was the fact that he was talking about how it's exhausting that because he's on this whole retirement tour, that everybody's like kind of coming up to him and he's the focus of everything. Guess whose idea the retirement tour was? Oh, uh, that would be Mike Shashevsky. Okay, oh. so um, <laughs> Roy Williams, you know his counterpart for so many years at UNC, retired just the day after their season was over in a short little press conference. Coach K decided to announce before the season that it would be his last, so everybody could focus on him. And now he's going to complain about having too much attention on him. Mm-hmm. Hopefully. Um, they lose. I'm just gonna say have you, that. Have you always disliked Coach K, or you just really just kind of granted you wrong after this I think, thing? I think it's it's been something that's developed in the last five years. I was always a UNC person. I think, quite honestly, for the same reason you were. I like I thought UNC's uniforms were cool when I was little, so I was like, yeah, this is great. And then that was like the Tyler Hansborough time, mm. where it was just amazing that this guy, who's clearly probably not going to be good in the NBA at all, <laughs> is not very athletic, but he's just like he grinds and he mm-hmm. just. You know, he's. I just remember the, like playing through a bloody nose, and he was just super tough. So I, I always liked UNC, but the more that I found out about Coach K, um, the more that I've read. I think the incident a couple of years ago where he yelled at a student journalist. I, I'm obviously I work for a newspaper um, in college, so that's kind of near and dear to my heart. I think student journalists should be protected, and he like kind of tried to belittle a student journalist for asking a very basic question because it was a question that Coach K didn't want to answer because it would make him look bad. And he mm-hmm. like yells at him and belittles him during a press conference and talks down to him. Um, and yeah, I've just heard from all intents and purposes that he's not a very nice guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like, you know, you have the, he won't take Duke's losses whenever like, he they have a bad season he's always got a medical issue it feels like and Mm. you know whenever they're losing he's always got back problems and stuff and i i just 
I, I think he's an amazing coach. You know, I think he's a top five college coach of all time. Um, and the recruiting violation stuff, which everybody's probably doing, but his is public. Like it's pretty clear they paid someone, they paid Zion to go to Duke and all that other stuff. And, you know, he railed against one and dones for most of his career. And then when Calipari got success, he immediately flipped the switch to be a one and done guy, even mm. though saying that was killing college basketball. And I, I just, I just don't trust him. I think he's kind of, he's kind of a little bit of a snake and mm. he's a good sports villain. So it's going to suck when he leaves. Cause I can't root against him anymore, <laughs> but now you got Bill Self. Yeah. I, but the problem is I don't hate Bill Self. Like I the FBI don't does. like KU, but like Bill Self seems way more genuine to me than oh. Coach K does. Um, so I, I don't. I like obviously I hate Bill Self because he coaches KU, but yeah. I don't like. He's not the reason I hate KU. Well, I think that might be a good transition. Do you think KU has kind of had an easy ride to this Final Four? Do you think, or do you think they're legit? I. I See, I don't know. I'll say who's they played. They played 16 seed Texas Southern. Right, which they can't help. They're nine seed. seed Creighton, three starters out. They played a four seed Providence team, 10 seed Miami. Yeah. And now they're in the final four. They, they 100% have not had the strongest schedule. They haven't run the gauntlet in a way that – but that happens when you're a one seed. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't – and Abaji, their best player, has not played well in this tournament. And they're still winning. And based off of what I saw in that second half against Miami, where they were down six at half, they came out and that game was over in three minutes because Kansas was just scoring and scoring and scoring. And Miami couldn't get a bucket. And they were just completely dominating them on both ends of the floor. That scared me because I don't like to see Kansas do well because mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm a Mizzou fan. And yeah, in the second half, they're they, very strong. They beat Miami 47 to 15. Yeah. I mean, and and Miami, I think, it was just – you could tell they were just deflated. And the Kansas has the propensity to just go on runs like that where there's nothing you can do. So I think, yeah, maybe they've had a little bit weaker opponents. But I, I would – if I'm Villanova, especially after that horrendous offensive outing that Villanova had where they somehow squeaked out a win against Houston, I would not really want to see KU. I mean, you could say Villanova's due for a great offensive game. Mm-hmm. But I think KU really hit their stride in their last game. That's something I saw, uh, I think, uh, NCAA posted in, a, in points per game uh, allowed Villanova's first and points per game scored Villanova's last of the remaining four teams. They're one and four. Yeah. So I, I, so you asked me who I think would win between UNC Duke. Who do you think will win between KU and Villanova? Uh, I think it's KU. I just think that the ride that KU is on right now, what they showed in the last game, I think we put too much on momentum, but – I just think that this KU team is uh, very tough physically. They can run. They have shooters. They can match up with Villanova well. Villanova a lot is talked about the team with, like, experience, you know, Mm -hmm. and they're the guys that just have been there before and they know what they're doing. But I think that the athleticism and some of the experience for KU will help out. Mm -hmm. And I expect Abaji to kind of rebound. I think he's got his confidence back Mm -hmm. after that, that good game in the Elite Eight, and I think that he can come out. So I think that... KU will win. Uh, I don't, I, sadly, I think Duke is winning. I think Duke is beating UNC, too. I'll ask you this, though. Do you, so Villanova is known as, like, they literally do not make mistakes. They're mm-hmm. well-disciplined. They're experienced. They're well-coached. Mm-hmm. They may not hit the shot, but they won't turn the ball over. They won't make mm-hmm. dumb mistakes. Do you think that will affect the game largely here? Or do you think we're too far into it and 
it'll just come down to who can score, who's going to win. Or do you think that will actually have an impact? So I think that, yes, that is helpful when you're playing against teams of a less talent caliber. I think that the not making mistakes doesn't allow teams doesn't allow for upsets. You know, they're not going to lose to Ohio State because they don't make mistakes. They're not going to lose to Michigan because they don't make a lot of mistakes. It's the same thing with like when they played Creighton in the Big East tournament, or you know, playing Del- Delaware in the first round, or even a team like Houston. You know, they don't make enough mistakes. But KU doesn't need them to make a lot of mistakes to capitalize because if they can't, I mean, they have only put up they put up 80 points in their first round game, 71 in their second round, and then 63 and 50 in the last two games mm. um, against defenses that were decent, but I don't think to KU's level either. So I don't KU doesn't need them to turn the ball over a lot to be successful. So mm. I I just think that they're they may run into yeah. just the buzzsaw of talent that is Kansas. And it may be one of those similar things, like the first half, Villanova's up six, but then KU picks it up, and Villanova's not making mistakes, but Kansas isn't just mi- isn't missing shots on the offense. Yeah, I ends. think that Villanova just, if they want to win this, they they cannot have an even close to offensive performance that they, they had last round. They have to score 80, like they did in the first Yeah, I think, they, I think they need to be upper 70s and 80s if they want a chance to win this game, because KU is going to score the basketball. And I, they, have, they have guys coming off the bench that can – you know, get get buckets whenever they need to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I I don't see a way. I I mean, I do see a way. I'm not gonna say like it's hundred percent chance KU wins, but mm-hmm. I just think that the ride that they're on right now is yeah. too much to overcome. Yeah, Remy's been a good pickup. He's from Arizona State. Uh, he transferred to Kansas, and he he's kind of been a make or break guy. When he's on, yeah, this he's team a lightning can't be rod beat by anybody. He is, but when he's not on, it's like. Oh, Candace is kind of dragging. The way know? that he plays reminds me a lot of um, Jamal Crawford when he used mm-hmm. to play for the Clippers in the NBA. Is like Jamal Crawford is not in the starting lineup. You're not that worried about like you you don't game plan for Jamal Crawford except if Jamal Crawford comes in and hits his first two shots, he's gonna get 25 points in 20 minutes, mm-hmm. and you're screwed. Mm-hmm. And it's the same way. He comes in and he's cocky. He doesn't care what the defense is doing. He's gonna hit turnaround jumpers and. If it, if he's hitting, then KU is confident, yeah. and it's hard to overcome that. Yeah. So we both want it to be Villanova UNC, NC, but we. So what do you, who do you think will be the most realistic, unbiased? Who do you think will be in the national championship? I think it's going to be KU Duke. I I do, and we can talk about later wh- what that means for my enjoyment of the national championship <laughs> game. Um, but yeah, I just think it's going to be KU Duke. What okay. about you? I actually think it'll be KU UNC. Really? I think UNC can beat Duke because they just they literally haven't skipped a beat. They just continue to be on fire. And even with Baylor, they lost their best player and still scored ninety three. Yeah, it was a little rocky, but they still stayed ahead and, mm-hmm. and maintained the lead. Score. And UNC has just is just feeling it at the right time. And Duke could be feeling it too, but I think if I mean right, if UNC scores more points, they win. I, just I think worry they've about, been doing that. I just worry about what are they going to do with Ben Carroll? If Ben Carroll's on, yeah. there's not he is. I I would say the best player in college basketball this year when he is on. Mm-hmm. Like there's nothing you can do to stop him. He just gets whatever he wants offensively, and he is a lot to handle. So, and I think, but I also think what helps though, Baycott dropped 20 points and 22 boards. So if he's also going off, mm-hmm. I, they'll probably be they'll probably be on each other, right? Yeah, they're both forwards. I would imagine they'll have and and size wise they match up. I feel like. Yeah, but Bancaro is so much faster than him. That's I, true. The defensively, I I think they're gonna have to put Leaky Black on him. But I, I don't. I just Bancaro is just you know he's kind of like a five tool player in baseball. There's nothing he really can't do. So if mm-hmm. he is, 
he's hitting shots and he's confident, it's going to be hard. But it's Duke UNC. You yeah. know, I think both of them also rise to the level of their competition, mm-hmm. um, especially in this tournament game. game. I'm hoping I'm hoping for a good game. But if Duke gets blown up by 30, uh, I will also yeah. be just as happy as if it's a buzzer beater. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. What's so. funny is mm-hmm. Baycott and Ben Carroll lead in points and rebounds. Baycott's averaging 16 and a half a game with 12 and a half rebounds. And Ben Carroll's uh, averaging 17 points per game with seven and Point, uh, seven rebounds. So the, both of those bi- – this will be a game in the paint, I think, because mm-hmm. both of the big guys really lead the stats, mm-hmm. especially with Manic for UNC down in there as well. Well, and if they can space the floor, though, and, you know, Manic's bread and butter has been, you know, getting everybody to draw in on Bangkok and then Corner kicking three. out and hit just hitting threes, mm-hmm. and he's been splashing from deep, and if they can do that again, he was a really good pickup for, for UNC and has really made this team yeah. a competitor. I will say one more thing. I know we're over on this. Um, we had a lot of kind of Cinderella teams, and the Final Four ended up being the, the four Blue Bloods. Yeah. Do you think, random question, do you think college football sees this? And, yeah, let's expand it, get these Cinderella teams in. But, look, the four Blue Bloods still made it to the Final Four, and it's still going to be two of the best programs of all time in the Natty, so why would we expand? So here's the thing. Um, I have been a proponent of college football playoff expansion. And the thing is, because the the three and four, the third and fourth best team rarely ever actually actually contend either. Um, The college football playoff games have not been good, like the last three years, Mm -hmm. like up until the Natty. And sometimes the Natty hasn't even been good. Um, I think that's the nature of college athletics. Basketball, it's way easier to have parity, I think, than football because you can only have 11 guys. Mm-hmm. So you like, yeah, you can try to get the best 11 guys in the country, but the next best 11 aren't going to be that much worse. Whereas college football, you can swallow up the everybody and, and you can out physical someone on the football field, right? You can have a team like Providence in the basketball court, just outshoot you and you can still win right. that way. And you know? I mean, you can see that with like Z- <laughs> Purdue. I mean, they couldn't beat St. Peter's with, with a guy that was seven foot three, you mm-hmm. know? So I think that. If they're trying to get that from this, then they would be ridiculous. Yeah. A college football, you know, why, how, how is more games going to hurt you? How is having an eight-team pool hurt you? Because, mm-hmm. hey, the the some of the games may not be interesting, but you're ta- that 4-5 game will probably be good. The 3-6 mm-hmm. game will probably be good. Yeah, the 1-8 and the 2-7 may suck. Yeah. But the 1-16 games in the NCAA tournament are never good, but we still play them. Yeah. I will say my brothers made good points real quick. Um yeah, the first three or four or even five years would be terrible with a 12-team playoff. But now with more teams able to get in the playoff, more you might have more parity because yeah. now you don't always I'm going to go to Houston to play football because now they actually could make yeah, the playoffs. You don't have you know? to go to that's, – and that's what basketball is. You can go to Duke and KU and Villanova. You can also go to UConn. You can also – go to Houston because the Mac you know, is going to get a team in the NCAA can, tournament. If you win the Mac, you're in the tournament. You know, yeah. Like so you like can, that. you can play on the biggest stage if you go to a smaller school and in college football, that's not true. Mm-hmm. You have to go to Georgia, Clemson, Alabama, Mizzou, <laughs> <laughs> Ohio state, you know, you have yeah. to go to those schools to be considered. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Expanding it would probably help them. It's a good conversation though. It's so, yeah. I'd be yeah. down to expand, but so, all right. So the last thing that we have, we're going to transition once again to a completely different topic <laughs> because Moon Knight is coming out. We are going to talk about Marvel TV shows that have come out so far. The ones that are Disney plus exclusives. We're not touching the daredevil universe um, or our agents of shield, but we will be talking about those and ranking them and talking about how we feel about the upcoming Moon Knight. So stick around. All right, welcome back, everyone. We're talking about Marvel TV shows now. And 
I think I've been seeing Moon Knight trailers for a couple of months now, and my excitement has been steady. I wouldn't say it's the most excited I've been for a Marvel TV show, but I, I'm looking forward to this one a lot. How are you feeling about the upcoming show? Uh, I'm really pumped. I, I try not to get my hopes up usually, um, and I've actually tried to avoid watching trailers because I want to be surprised. Mm -hmm. I think it'll be very good, um, and I, it seems like it's going to be kind of different from what Disney show, like Marvel shows we've seen. Mm -hmm. I think it's going like to I don't know anything about it either, which is also exciting. Yeah, I think it's going to be a little bit more, um, I don't know, brutal maybe the right word. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be a little bit more violent just based off of what I know about the what I've heard about the Moon Knight character. Again, David and I do not read comic books. Um, but what I've seen about about this character, um, I think we'll see a little bit darker version of an MCU show. But I don't think we'll reach like Daredevil level. Mm. Like, I don't think we're going to get to like drug trafficking and like human trafficking and Daredevil mm -hmm. killing or not Daredevil doesn't kill people like the Punisher murdering people. I mm -hmm. don't think we'll get to that level. But I think Moon Knight will be different. I'm really just excited based off of one, the cast. Uh, the two leads in this are Oscar Isaac who is playing Moon Knight, um, Mark Spector, and Ethan Hawke as the villain, Arthur Harrow. Those are two tremendous actors. Ethan Hawke looks freaky. In yeah, that. he looks I, I terrifying, looks, yeah. and he just looks like a normal person, but he's just terrifying. And Oscar Isaac, I trust both of them. They both seem very excited about this project as well. And also, Moon Knight just looks so cool. Yeah, it is. Like, all the shots in the trailer that I've seen of the his, visual like, effects look kind of hype. coming up over him. He's, like, got the cool white suit. Moon Knight is supposed to be, like, um, it's uh, Mark Spector is supposed to get the powers of the Egyptian moon god um, and, like, use those. And there's a lot of kind of subjects I don't really want to talk about because I have no idea whether they're actually going to be brought up in the show. Mm. But he's supposed to be, like, kind of a darker character, but, like, visually stunning. And I think that the effects on this show look great. I'm hoping we're not having a repeat of the WandaVision finale where some of the effects kind of fall apart at the end. Mm. Um, but it looks like they spent a lot of time on these mm -hmm. and these look exciting. Yeah, I think it's going to be really good. Is this, is, I'll ask you this. Are you staying up till 2 a.m. to watch this? Uh, no, because I have a job interview tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. So I gotcha. will not be staying up until 2 a.m. Okay. To, to view this. So you will have to just hold your tongue. Um, That's fair. Or... Home value the sleep and watch it later yeah. i don't know we'll, we'll, we'll decide then true. that's you know we got a long day however this, so. regardless of the situation i can assure everybody that whenever kenobi drops oh at 2 a.m that first episode even if i have something at 3 a.m that i have to be up for i will be watching that for sure so yeah but this one i will not so let's talk now let's talk about the marvel shows that we've already seen the ones we can actually talk about because we've seen them in their entirety and we don't have to spoil we can spoil them because <laughs> they're very old yeah they've been out for a while uh i just the first thing i want to ask you is what do you remember about the first two episodes of wandavision and what where you were in that time period that was this was january of 2021 it feels mm -hmm. like so long ago mm -hmm. what was your reaction when you saw those first two episodes um i uh I think I remember being asked, like, what do you think so far? Because the people hadn't watched it. They're like, oh, what do you think of it? I'm like, I actually don't know. Like, because yeah, you just have to weird. trust me and watch because I actually don't know what to think about it. But I, um, I mean, I loved how they shot the first, I think the third one when, when it kind of ish goes down. The third you know? one is the one where you start to unravel. But, like, the first things. two, they, were, they just subtly did one or two things where you're like. What's going on? Yeah. Yeah. Like, so I, I, I kind of had the idea of like, okay, it's like, this isn't going to be the whole show. Something's going to happen just because they were slight, like given little tiny hints and uh, breadcrumbs. 
So I was actually kind of pumped. I was like, I can't wait what they do with this. Like, I, mm-hmm. I can't wait to watch it. I know some people were like, ah, I'm getting impatient. I'm done. But I was even more excited because I was like, I can't like wait to see what they do with this. That's yeah, my, that's my take. I think WandaVision for me was the first time where I'm watching a Marvel so a Marvel property, something in the MCU, and I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> like the first two episodes, for those of you that haven't seen it, are set up like a sitcom, like a 50s and 60s sitcom. And you're like, okay, how is this a superhero show? Like, yeah, they have the like quirky, quirky like jokes and they, they play off the stereotypes from that era and stuff. And you're trying to wonder, but the, yeah, there's those one or two things that happen where you're like, Ooh, there's something more going on here. And I think mm-hmm. WandaVision just, you know, you could dig into it. I think it kind of fell off at the end a little bit. Um, the hype for me, because the, the whole show was like about unpeeling the layers and it wasn't like big CGI fight, you know, like mm-hmm. you weren't like, there wasn't action set pieces in every episode that you were trying to watch for and like, Oh my God, that was so cool. But you're trying to unravel the story and it really focused on the acting and like, playing with your emotions and understanding the character's motivations, I think more than any other show. Mm-hmm. I, I, this was a very exciting show for me, especially whenever this was the height of fan theories online. Every yeah. episode you were then like Googling, like somebody would like circle a fly in a shot and be like, this is Mephisto, yeah. the MCU's yeah. version of the devil. And yeah. it was crazy. And you would believe half of them and then watch the next episode and you feel like a total idiot, get online and do it all over yeah. again. It was glorious. Well, and I especially love Elizabeth Olsen did an incredible job. This like shine, like her talent shine in this. Cause like, I mean, yeah, she was acting in this like 50s, 60s sitcom, but then like, on camera she'd like snap out of it sometimes mm-hmm. and like just the way she like portrayed the different time periods and how she snapped back and forth in one like I, I was just really impressed with how um how she played this role yeah she had a very very difficult task um and i think that she pulled it off very well um and one reason i think i liked it which I, we're about to talk about this next like because we had just watched falcon and the winter soul no that came afterwards that came afterwards well, like reviewing, like I, you know, Falcon and Winter Soldier, I thought was very similar to most of the Marvel movies we'd seen. Yes. But like WandaVision, nothing had ever been totally made like different. this. So I think that's why I liked it more because it was unique. It was one of a kind at in that in that and moment. And this was know? also the first the first thing in the new phase, um, because right. Spider Man Far From Home was the last thing that came out before it came out in July of uh, t- was it twenty nineteen? I think um, everything got delayed. I believe it was July of 2019 that that came out. And that was the end of the, of kind of the first June 26, the first three phases of Marvel. And you know, that culminated, you think Endgame is the end, but it's not, it's actually far from home. But this like WandaVision was treading into just territory. We had no idea what was going to happen. We'd just seen the biggest story in MCU history, not that long ago. And we thought, okay, so this is, this is done. Like, yeah, I kind of let down. I'm like, they're not going to top that. I don't know. And then this is not going to be as good. Like I'm this was so it was so smart of them to make this the first project coming out because then you were like, oh, it's not Marvel as usual. Like, what is going on here? Like, you have to try to figure out stuff. Um, Yeah. So I really enjoyed WandaVision. I think you already talked about it. Falcon and the Winter Soldier came afterwards. I think we both enjoyed that less. Um, I liked it. There were parts that I liked, but yeah, I think that after the craziness of WandaVision, um, it kind of. you know, it went back to normal MCU, we felt like. And I think some of the things flopped in, in what they tried to do in this. Um, I think some things were really cool. I really loved um, Sam's Captain America suit at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they could have done the tension between Falcon and the Winter Soldier a little better. Um, 
and I think actually could have dug more into the emotional Steve Rogers aspect of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they kind of treaded on the surface of that. Uh, the best thing that they did was the villain though. Wyatt Russell did a very good job. Yeah. Uh, John Walker playing Captain America who later become us agent. Just that shot of him killing the person with the shield. And then there's blood on the bottom of the shield and he's standing there swaggering. That was disgusting it was gross to see it it felt like a betrayal every like everybody was pissed like so mad about it Mm -hmm. um they did it created a great villain and then i think it kind of kind of fizzled yeah a little and then loki comes out i don't remember was what if before loki or did loki come first i i get those confused because i actually didn't watch what if right when it came out i binged what if in a day loki first episode was june 9th 2021 okay let me look up the what if first episode because I think that the what if first episode was actually August 11th. Okay. So yeah. So I was Loki did come out first. Um, so Loki came and, and did kind of the same thing. WandaVision did, I think switched it up a little, uh, probably had the most significant contribution of any of these in introducing the multiverse into the MCU. Um, and also a mystery. Like we're also trying to figure out what's going on in mm-hmm. this show. And the end of Loki is not a giant massive fight between Loki and whoever the villain of the show was. It was a conversation mm-hmm. with with the man who would become Kang the Conqueror, with Jonathan Majors, and it was riveting. That that entire episode was fantastic. Yes, it was. Because it wasn't the same. It's the same thing we're talking about. It broke the mold of this is a conversation. This is not a big CGI fight, which we actually ended up getting in WandaVision at the end. they didn't do that for this one. And I think it was extremely effective and emotional. This was Mm -hmm. the one I think where the acting was most on display from, from everybody involved. Uh, Specifically want to shout out Owen Wilson as Mobius. Um, Kind of crazy how well he did. Yeah. Uh, He was really, I wasn't expecting, I don't know when I first saw that cast and I was like, interesting that Owen will, I just don't think of him as, a really serious role or that kind of role. I think he did a very good job. Yeah, he kind of returned to his Wes Anderson form for me. I think that a lot of times recently we think about Owen Wilson as just a comedy actor, Mm -hmm. Uh, but he's had some emotional parts in some Wes Anderson movies, and that's kind of his guy, and I think he returned to that a little bit with with this emotional role in Loki, and that was really cool. Then we had What If, which is a show probably not a lot of people have seen, I think, because it's animated. Um, I would encourage you to watch that, if only for the fact that you will, I promise, understand this Doctor Strange movie more if you've seen What If. Mm-hmm. Like, I, that's a guarantee. That's yeah, if you want to watch guarantee. Doctor Strange, like, you need to watch What If. Yeah. Or you won't you won't get the new movie. Yeah. And it won't be as good as it possibly could have been if you, you know, because you won't understand it. So this, the, the whole um, idea of What If is taking the multiverse and expanding on it and telling stories in different universes. So all of them are, what if this thing happens? One of them is, what if Doctor Strange loses his heart, which is, what if Christina dies in a car accident instead of him having the injury that he had? Or, um, you know, what if zombies? It's what if the Avengers were plagued by zombies? What if Ultron actually got Vision's body? What if Captain Carter was the first Avenger? Yeah, what if Captain Carter was the first Avenger instead of Steve Rogers? T'Challa becoming Star-Lord. Yeah, what if... uh, There's a lot of... There's just a ton of what-if scenarios. It's it's cool. I think they can expand on it because these are all just kind of like weird comics runs, I guess, that are 
f- far from the norm. Um, I, I didn't love it. I liked it. Mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting. I mean, it's 20-minute episodes. It's not like you're making a commitment yeah. if you want to watch this. There's not that many episodes. It's not very long. But I I, I enjoyed it. Um, I think there were some parts that were very effective. The Doctor Strange episode was very good. Doctor Strange one was very good to me. Ultron winning was good to me. And then the last, like, what if the Watcher broke his oath? I thought that was kind of kind of wild. Mm-hmm. Um, but those three were my the other ones. And the other ones, I was like, yeah, okay. You know, I got, it's entertaining. I'll watch it. Actually, I think I like the T'Challa one, too, because that's actually the last thing that Chadwick Boseman did. Yeah, that was kind of emotional Marvel. whenever he voiced he, Black you Panther. hear his voice come out for the first time. And you're and it's the la- and actually, in later episodes with Black Panther, it's, he's not, it's not him, is it? I think like, it is. I think it still is. I think okay. he did all the voiceover. So this show this. is like the very last thing he did before he passed away. So yeah. that, that's also just kind of cool to, to see. Yeah. And then most recently we had Hawkeye, which, which came out um, during the holiday season of 2021, um, introduced us to uh, a new character in the MCU, Kate Bishop, by Haley Steinfeld. I think already a person has quickly become a fan favorite. This show has kind of up and down for a lot of people, um, mm-hmm. made m- – some fans of Netflix Marvel shows happy when they reintroduced Kingpin um, and kind of set up that that part um, and made some people upset that the show didn't focus on Hawkeye enough and there were some camp action parts and it was a little bit more lighthearted, more of a family skewed um, Christmas time show. Yeah, <laughs> leaned heavily into the Christmas. I still I still very much enjoyed it, specifically the relationship between Kate Bishop and then Yelena Florence Pugh's character. Yeah. David's giving me a look. I'm the biggest, one of the biggest Florence Pugh fans on the planet. Um, but there can be every one of her movies. No, I'm on a quest though. I've gotten close. Um, but I think that their chemistry was amazing and even so much so that, uh, I believe that they have actually planned to do like a Black Widow Hawkeye movie in the future with just Kate Bishop and Yelena Belova. Mm-hmm. Um, and Florence Pugh also was one of, they actually, I think, were intending on not having her character return in the MCU, then watched her in Black Widow and were like, oh, yeah, we need to make her a big part of things mm-hmm. that are coming in the future. Yeah. So I thought that that was really cool. I didn't. I didn't love every part of the show, but I think that the last couple episodes are strong and there's some emotional moments in this. You know, it's a lot about Hawkeye dealing with loss and dealing with being separated from his family and especially dealing with the, the idea of having to live on without Nat, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, that's difficult for him. Yeah. And you can see that in the show and you can see how he sees a lot of Nat in Kate Bishop. Yeah. And like how he becomes protective of her because mm-hmm. of that. One even starts like, cause this is, you know, for months he's been off planet, like saving the world and uh, with all these people. And it starts with him like watching this musical of the Avengers, you know? And it's like, how, how do you just go back to normal life? Yeah. Like they, he probably hasn't talked to these Avengers, which you like, Oh, they're best friends. You know, to us, we think they're best friends. We well, probably hadn't talked to him for months. Type. Yeah. And he's just like, and dealing with hearing they're, issues. They're and taking his most intense moments of trauma and pain and commercializing them. Mm-hmm. You know, like, what would that be like if that that would be essentially from what someone described to me, that would be like them making a musical about 9-11. Mm-hmm. Essentially, it's kind of the same situation. I don't want to compare that, you know. like, obviously, it's not real life. So it's not that traumatic. But, but trying to relate to in the, the same way of like trying to relate to what the character would go through. Imagine like one of the most horrific days of your life. That was a terrorist attack on the city of New York and 10 
now 15 years later they're like oh yeah let's let's make a musical about this and sing do like the whole captain america like sing songs and stuff mm -hmm. like how would you be able to deal with that and yeah, it yeah. kind of the show kind of tackles some of those questions. I think for me the most powerful moment in that show is uh Hawkeye walks up to a Black Widow memorial and so he he has a hearing aid from cuz he's he's not like he didn't have superpowers. He's, yeah, he he's got hearing loss cuz so he's a normal guy that's been around drums, explosions. Yeah, his for eardrums years. got blown and he just pulls out his hearing aids and it's just completely completely silent and he like just starts talking to Black Widow who obviously passed away in Endgame. And, you know, just saying, like, he's not sure he can do this. And he apologized. Like, it's just a really powerful moment. Um, and I really, really like liked that scene a lot. Mm -hmm. So just kind of shows you what he was dealing with while trying to raise a family still and deal with this new upcoming girl who can shoot a bow and arrow really well and mm -hmm. stuff like that. So. Mm -hmm. A girl that idolizes him, and he doesn't want to have anything to do with it first. But And, at f yeah, at first he doesn't want her to – he's like, no, because he, I don't think he wants the same thing to happen, right? He doesn't want her to – uh, hurt herself or get in danger, but then I think he realizes like he can't stop her. Yeah. All right. So that's th we've kind of gone over them, um, gone over some of our favorite moments, but now we're gonna rank these these MCU TV shows. So there's five. So once again, it's WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Loki, What If, and Hawkeye. Um, let's start with your number five, David. What do you have in last place? <laughs> hmm. I think for me. I think what if um, I liked it, but it didn't really have like an impact on the our, on the storyline. Now, going forward, it might. Mm -hmm. um, but like, just because it's in last doesn't mean I hated it. But you know, it was kind of fun. Twenty minute episodes. I can mm -hmm. do some el something else while it's playing in the background. But I think for me, that's five. Yeah, I would also agree that what if would would be there for me, and I think it's the same. It's it's not one narrative. Yes, there is like a through line throughout, um, and all the episodes connect to each other. But, you know, each episode is different. So you're going to have ones that you're like, oh, this is great. I love this story. Or I don't really like this one. I think the one that was really weak for me was like, what if Thor was an only child? And it's just like about him partying on Earth and then having a fight with Captain Marvel. Mm -hmm. I, and it, it just wasn't super effective for me. So I, I would yeah. put it there the same way. But I think the two or three of these episodes are very impactful. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. What's your number four? Um, I think Falcon and the Winter Soldier is four for me. Um. Yeah, I think my biggest thing was like this is just seems like another Marvel movie, mm -hmm. um, and uh, it, it it was good, but I just w I didn't feel entirely engaged. Like I I didn't find my actually I think for like one week I missed the episode and I had to watch a couple in a row. Mm -hmm. But like one like the other ones I was like, okay I gotta watch this right <laughs> yeah. I got I got a lot of time yeah. to watch this and I think that was just tone of like how engaged I was with this. Not yeah. that it was bad, but that's just kind of where I am. Yeah. So far we have the same list. I would also put Falcon and the Winter Soldier at four for the the same reasons you talked about. And I think that they just and they don't and you know I don't want to say that they always have to give fans what they want you know because mm -hmm. I think that's an unrealistic expectation. People are always going to be upset. But I really just wanted them to dive more into like how Sam and Bucky connect through Steve. Or dive more into Bucky dealing with being with the winter so being the Winter Soldier, you know, because he wasn't in Talk control of his actions for sixty years, right? Yeah. And he's killed people, and he's trying to make amends and do all that stuff, and and he can't, um, and just what that's like. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that the parts that really worked were when Sam was talking about what it's like to be a black man and be Captain America, mm -hmm. and how that's something that 
as stupid as this sounds, is still not accepted by people today. Like there's, there were a lot of people that was like, you're just trying to woke Captain America as if there wasn't a black Captain America a long time ago in the Mm -hmm. comic books, but they're saying like woke Captain America and stuff. And I think that stuff was super effective, but I feel like they were just trying to crush a lot of storylines into one season. And maybe they should have waited and done multiple seasons Mm -hmm. of this. Um, but they do also have an upcoming movie, which I'm assuming both of them are. Because like well, even so. with that storyline, like it's important, and I think I'm happy that Bucky is. But the how they kind of threw it in, it almost did kind of seem like a, we have to mention this or there'll be pressure for not. Yeah. Saying that I just that don't think they. I don't think they let. Know? I don't think they let any of those storylines breathe enough. No. I think that they all felt rushed with trying to set up because they were also trying to explain to us how the world works after the snap. Which took too much time. They have plenty of time and money. Why didn't they stretch the coalition? And yeah, I just think it should have been longer. Like this is one of the things that could have had twenty episodes in this season, Mm -hmm. because yeah, we're trying to get way too much backstory and trying to figure out the world after Endgame, and also trying to catch up with these big emotional storylines. And it just feels like they were all kind of hammered in there, and nothing was really Mm -hmm. given time. So. I think that's my number four. I think we'll probably also have the same number three. What's your number three? Yep, that's mine as well. Why? Um. I mean, it's top three, so it gets a bronze medal. Woohoo! Um, kind of like what I—I I don't know why I just said that, but uh, <laughs> kind of what I talked about, like the emotional and how like Jeremy Renner as Hawkeye like had to deal with this post, um, you know, gl- like universe war, mm-hmm. not world war, the universe war, <laughs> yeah, um, and just how just terrible and just, like you know him loading his family in the car and him kind of like start to daydream and they're like, hey, like you okay, like. Just kind of like his struggle back to reality. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was really cool, and I, 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 I uh, was unsure about um, Haley Steinfeld, you know, but I think she grew on me, and then especially with Florence Pugh being introduced, I did like that dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if the ending for me though was kind of like, for me it seemed like anticlimactic. I was like, oh, I can't wait for this ending, and I was kind of like, yeah, oh, okay, yeah, I kind of felt fizzly at that the was end. Me, like, what did you think? Is that do you agree? I with that I would agree with that. Um, I think that this show is an example of what Falcon and the Winter Soldier didn't do is they took one storyline emotionally or or two kind of. There was one for each character. Like mm-hmm. Kate, Kate had one, and and Hawkeye had one as well. Um, but there's kind of meshed together, I think, better than than Bucky and Sam's did, and and they capitalized on that. And they also had to deal with Yelena coming in with her baggage as well, because in this show she's trying to kill hawkeye because she's been told that hawkeye is responsible for her sister's death yeah she's fully like, convinced she that hawkeye, that killed, hawkeye killed black widow yeah and you know i think i kind of i kind of choked up a little bit when he did the whistle on the ice rink and florence Pugh just stops you know because everything you know that? that he's yeah. trying to say to her like yeah. i didn't do it i loved her i loved your sister i would never hurt her doesn't he like refuse like, to fight her at the end too? yeah he's and like, he's I'm not just like she's just punching him and like he's like i didn't do it and then he's like uh, about to quite honestly she's about to kill him and he does the whistle yeah that was really good actually <laughs> kind of impressed and she just stops um and that was really strong i think i did figure it out you that. just that put was... you just put good actors in there and let them do their thing mm-hmm. and florence yeah, pugh and jeremy ending, renner are, the actors made up for yeah this, florence pugh and jeremy renner are a good actor and so is via farmiga as well mm-hmm. um and you just let them do their thing so yeah, yeah i think I think Kaka was good. Also, it's got Florence Pugh in it. So how would it not be top three for me? You know? Oh, yeah. Right. Okay. So number two. Uh, I'd be interested. Do we have the same? Actually, you know what? Just say your number one, and then we'll talk about the second one. Number one for me is Loki. Wow. So we have the identical list. This yeah. is the first time we've ever actually agreed on anything. So why well, do you have WandaVision at two? Um, I, I loved it. I think it was really I, – I, 
yeah, it was very, very good. It was different from any, like I said this, different from any Marvel show that's been made. Um, Elizabeth Olsen and um, Paul, Paul Bettany. Bettany. Yeah, Paul Bettany, incredible jobs. Catherine Hahn, incredible jobs. Um, who was the black actress who did an incredible job as well? Um, I'm trying to think. And I, she's actually probably going to get more of a major role no, now. No, because she will be in the uh, the Marvels, rumored to be in the upcoming Miss Marvel show as as well. Um, she was, she's a new actress, so I can't remember her name. Sh- uh, it's Monica Rambo is the character's name. Yeah, and the actress that I had never seen before this show. Uh, hold on, hold on. I'm vamping. Vamp, no, you're good. I can keep talking, but like, I just vamping. thought those four. Tiana Paris. Tiana Paris, exceptional job, and it was different different roles than any of these characters have played in the Marvel Universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then obviously it transitions into what kind of what we're used to. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really well done. I think... Um, I don't think this hurts WandaVision. I think Loki's won for me because we're getting it was more. We get more episodes and it, we get more of a storyline. Like I think, uh, yeah. I think that's why Loki's won for me. Not, it didn't hurt WandaVision. I think it helps Loki because I could use a lot more WandaVision because I thought it was really cool. Yeah, I think that that story. I don't know how they continue it. Um, well, I do know. I'm how impressed they, they kept it, it in six. They episodes. continue it. Um, or there eight. I think there's nine. There's nine. No. Psh, ignore so, me. Okay. Everything you just said lied. Um, no, the first two are actually kind of shorter than the rest of them. Anyway, I think that this they this story is not one they can continue in a series. Loki, they've already talked about. There's a second season announced, but they're continuing Wanda's story in Doctor Strange. That's and true. A lot of people think this is like her heel turn. She's going to be a villain. I've already said I'm going to root for her. I think the one thing that hurts this there's two things that hurt this show. One is the fight at the end um, when her and Agnes square off. I think that, that that was kind of a CGI mess a little bit. There's an emotional moment after that that I think is more effective, but I don't I don't love the floating in the sky. Some of it looked a little bad and a little wonky. You didn't like the uh, had three the, one, like, you don't like Catherine Hahn going a three one lead. That was kind of saucy, wasn't it? <laughs> I mean that was that was nice, but <laughs> I, I didn't love that. And then the one thing that I didn't like that they did was they teased us with the X Men with Evan Peters who played Quicksilver mm-hmm. in the X-Men movies, not in the MCU version, because you can't actually call him Quicksilver mm-hmm. until they bought Fox. And we thought we were getting the X-Men or getting a gateway to the X-Men, and then it just ended up being a joke where the character's name was Ralph Boner and mm-hmm. wasn't actually her brother, and it was weird. And I yeah. think that it was a lot of buildup for a pretty puerile, pretty dumb joke. That's um, I, I remember I seeing his name. And I was like, that was kind of corny. I like, was uh. disappointed in that, um, and I was kind of hoping for a little bit more, a little gateway. But I think we'll get that with actually again, M- multiverse of madness seems like just kind of the sequel. It's to tie a lot of bows. So yeah. But number one is Loki. Uh, I think what everything you said. Um, Loki's more emotional. I think it's better. I think the the storyline was engaging to me. Hiddleston. He's was so magnetic. good. He's he's extremely good, and I think that you know I was kind of wondering how how are they going to make Loki a hero because Loki's always had that like I'm evil, but I'm you love me because I'm super charismatic thing. And backhanded just, comment. Backhanded comment. I just you didn't know, like, know. And yeah, I've seen that. You know, in the first Avengers movie, they're saying that Loki was like being manipulated um, by the stone and that's why he was like bloodthirsty more bloodthirsty than he'd normally be and that's kind of explaining that Mm -hmm. he killed a lot of people but this show doesn't shy away from that 
you know, it exposes him to that. It shows him his future. I think one of the most effective moments is when Mobius is showing him what happens and showing him that Loki kills his mom. And that's like the only He's person heartbroken. he cares about. And like, it's yeah. devastating to watch him go through that. Um, and his relationship. Well, and then he sees what happens. Cause remember he dies at the beginning of Endgame, Infinity yeah. War. He doesn't actually know, like the, yeah, he sees Which himself die and he sees, he never learns. He didn't find out that he was the one that caused his mother's death because he was really in Thor the Dark World, which is perhaps the most forgettable movie of all time. Um, he is like allows the dark elves to go into his mother's room thinking that they'll go to kill Thor. And instead they kill his mother. And he doesn't know that. Yeah. Like for the rest of the MCU, in the current timeline, he doesn't know that. Only this Loki knows that. But it's, like, super emotional to understand. There are only six episodes of this, which I think kind of <laughs> – I'm going to – I guess I disagree with you. I think that that makes it more effective um, hmm. because I they didn't drag anything out, I felt like. Oh, that's true. Uh, I, the, they let the mystery unfold naturally. You got to There were no out, filler episodes because everything had just a lot of meat packed into it. You got to fill out the TVA and what was going on, and then really you, you get – his and Sylvie's relationship um, and understand kind of there. And then, why did that feel so much longer than six episodes? But because I think it was just really well done, Mm -hmm. you know, it has been confirmed for a second season, correct? Yes. Six more. Yes. Okay. And I think that the, the end when they confront Kang the conqueror, um, he's called he who remains in the show. But when Sylvie and Loki are talking to him and, you know, you've been building that this whole time. And I was worried, you know, I thought they were just going to fight him. Or do something like that, but and S- Sophia Di Martino did an incredible job as Sylvia, and like that you were just talking about that that conversation at the end was pretty heartfelt. Like Loki, like it was very do emotional. This. Please, don't and it's do Loki this. falling in love with himself, kind of, which is weird because she's a Loki variant, mm-hmm. um, essentially. So they like have the same characteristics, and you can see that throughout the show, but their mannerisms change a little bit, and they they're a little bit different. And you can see that Sylvie is. Like, as much as Loki's road has been hard, Sylvie's has been harder, and she's kind of been hunted by this organization since she was a kid, mm-hmm. you know? And it's difficult yeah. to watch. And, and I thought Owen Wilson and Tom Hiddleston didn't – I mean, five of the six episodes – four of the six, they're, they get the biggest screen time, and they're always together. And I just love the relationship. They're funny mm-hmm. together. They were – they're very, very good together. And, yeah, this show was – Yeah, I, I'm actually, like – I want to rewatch it because like, I think it was very good and, and the, I, I want to watch the it. The way that this mystery unravels, I think, is captivating yeah. um, in a way that WandaVision's was as well. But we were still finding stuff out up until the last monologue, which I think in WandaVision, once we got the Ag- Agatha all along, um, we were kind of like, okay, so we know mm-hmm. everything that's happened. We understand the whole ramifications Except of this. Except for Ralph Boner. Where, <laughs> yeah. Where Loki just kept building and building and building, and, and we the still know what's going to happen. Because he said, "If you right, if you if you kill me, I'll just come back in another variant." Yeah, right? and and at the end, Loki gets sent to the TVA in another timeline because Mobius doesn't know who he is, and he doesn't know where Sylvie is, and so yeah, we have no idea what's going to happen Such next, and it's show. so exciting. And I think this one was the best acted. So yeah, I really liked yeah. it. But, uh, hey, thanks for listening this week. Uh, today's been about a little bit of everything, uh, from Oscars to March Madness to Marvel TV. Uh, next week we'll be talking about the National Championship game and reviewing that. Um, don't forget to follow us on Twitter, uh, and uh, please DM us if you have any questions or show ideas. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.